Now today I have the great privilege of continuing a series that we began just a handful of days ago entitled Church Matters. Church Matters. And while we're here to talk about the matters of the church, more importantly, I'm here to share with you that the church matters. For you see, the church is not a building, it's not a program, it's people. You and I, us, together, we are the church. And the church matters because you matter. I'm going to say it again. The church matters because you matter. So with that in mind, I want to share with you on the topic, serving others. Serving others. Have you ever gone to a restaurant, a nice restaurant, maybe to celebrate a birthday or an anniversary or retirement? And you go with great expectation, expecting a great meal. But have you ever reached the end of a meal and realized that you had a great meal, but the service was terrible? I can tell you what, in my own experience, terrible service can ruin a great meal. But have you ever been somewhere where you have been served, maybe overserved, and you're pleasantly surprised and you're grateful? I remember growing up, I had this experience each and every time I went to my grandma's house, my abuelita's house. I would go to her house and sit down at her dining room table, and within about 30 seconds of me sitting down, a plate of food would magically appear right in front of me. And it wasn't just a measly, small little plate. It was a mountain of food. And regardless of whether I was hungry or not, Grandma would say, cometelo, eat it. And so I would eat the food obligatorily uh, with gratitude in my heart, but often what would happen is after I finished the meal, what I thought I, was the, I thought I was at the end of the meal, what would end up happening is about another minute and a half later, another plate of food would appear in front of me. And I would say, Grandma, no, 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 I don't want any more food. And she'd say, mijito, tienes que, tienes que comer, tienes que engordar, eres muy flaco. She'd say, you're very skinny, you need to gain weight, you need to eat some more food. And obviously, I took her suggestion. I kept eating. But part of the reason why I have such a fond memory about going to my abuelita's house, my grandmother's house, was because not only did she serve, but she overserved. She shared her love and her service to me and my family. And that made an impact in my heart. Could it be possible that God wants us to overserve one another? To not just show up, but to serve and to overserve other people. I've discovered in my time, both as a pastor and even as a congregant, that serving matters because people matter. Serving matters because people matter. You matter. With that in mind, I want to invite you to join me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Open up your Westover app. We have notes there for you. Open up your Bible. Open up your Bible app. But before I get into the text, I want to share with you a little bit about what's happening in the church of Corinth. They were Christians living in a pagan culture, very much like today. There were cultural forces seeking to disconnect them and pull them away from the family of God. And the Apostle Paul, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, selects a metaphor that would make sense to them. Because the dominant culture in that time was Hellenism. 
And Hellenism is the Greek culture. And one of the things that the Greeks worshipped and even revered was the physical body. They were the ones who created the very first Olympics as a way to celebrate physical capacity and physical ability. So the Apostle Paul selects this. The Holy Spirit helps him select it to talk to them about how they need to be the body of Christ. That they need to be connected and unified. That they need to strengthen one another so that they can move through life. And this is what this passage is all about. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's look together at verse 18 and following. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them just as he wanted them to be. If they're all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. There's many of us, but there's one body. Verse 25, there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Verse 26, if one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with them as well. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. God created us to be united. God created us to be the body of Christ. God created us to serve one another. And before we continue, I want us to, I want us to pray together. And as I pray, I want you to pray in your own heart and say, God, what word do you have for me today? I want to receive your word. I want to step into your divine purpose. So let's go to the Lord. Father, we come to you. We're grateful to be in your presence. We ask you, God, that you would reveal your divine word to us, that you would deposit something within us that will change us, that will transform us, that will make us more like your son Jesus, that will allow us to operate in the way that you've created us to operate, Lord. Help us discover the value and the importance of serving others. Help us, Lord, today to capture that in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. If I had to summarize this passage, what, what the Bible is telling us is that there is but one God, there is one body, the body of Christ, but that there are many parts that form up the body of Christ. God intends for us, even though there's diversity in the body of Christ, he intends for us to be connected to the body, which is Jesus Christ. And so today, I want to share with you what serving means, not only in the body of Christ, but also to the body of Christ. Number one, serving means discovering your design. Discovering your design. Verse 18 says this, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? And then verse 28 tells us, it lists off the different roles in the church at the time. And now there's many more roles in the body of Christ. But what he's getting at is that each one of us has been gifted a divine design. You and I, we have a divine design. We have a divine designer and a divine design. You have a specific mission in life. God has a purpose for you. You were created on purpose, with purpose, and for a purpose. Regardless of what anybody has said, the creator of the universe has, is here to declare to you today that he created you on purpose, with purpose, and for a purpose. And you can rejoice in that. I rejoice in that. And I rejoice in that for you as well. But in order for us to be fully 
fruitful and fully effective in our life, we need to understand what God has for us. Jim Collins, he is a leadership consultant and an author, has written that in order for us to be fully fruitful and fully effective, we need to find a purpose that falls within a sweet spot. And this is how we discover the sweet spot. We find something that we are very passionate about, something that we're good at, and something that pays the bills. You need to have something that pays the bills. The same is true in the body of Christ. God wants us to discover what we can do in the body of Christ that we're passionate about, that we're good at, and what can make a kingdom impact. God wants you and I to discover that divine design. And I've discovered over time that dreams come true when you discover your divine design. God created you to accomplish a mission, but he's also planted within you a dream, a dream, a divine dream that he's put within your heart. And sometimes what ends up happening is there's a disconnect between where we're at and where we know we could be. I have since said in my spirit before that there's a disconnect between where I'm at and where God wants me to be. I call it a holy discontent. And often what helps me close the gap in that is me going to the Father and saying, God, what's the next thing that you have for me? What is the reason why I'm here? One author one time said, he said, there are two important days in your life. Number one, the day you are born. And number two, the day you find out why. I want to suggest to you that there's actually three important days. Number one, the day you're born. Number two, the day you meet and make Jesus Lord and Savior of your life. And number three, the day you discover the divine purpose that God puts you on this earth to accomplish. And when you discover that, you, are, you will be unstoppable. You will step into your divine purpose and the dream that he has for you. That's God's intent for you and I. So here's my question. What's the dream? What's the dream? Is there a dream that was in your heart one time that you've let die? Or maybe it's faded into the background. What's the dream? Is it to finish your degree? Is it to start a business? Is it to stop the job that you're in and to step into a new job, a new career? Something that brings profound fulfillment? Is it to step into ministry? What is it? What is the dream? When we're willing to discover our divine design and we're willing to step into the dream that God has for us, we will experience a level of fulfillment that God created for us. But your dream and my dream is different. Your race and my race is different. Someone once said that each one of us, we need to run the race that we have in front of us. You and I, we each have a race to run. I can't run your race and you can't run mine. But there are enough lanes in the race of life and in the kingdom of God for you to finish first place in your lane. You're not intended to come in second place to anyone. Don't let anybody make you believe that or allow you to believe that, that you're intended to come into second place. God has a race for you and a race that you can win. And what ends up happening is the only time we end up second place or third place or fifth place is when we try to run someone else's race. God created you to do something unique and special. This is exactly what we see in verse 19. It says, if all were one part, where would the body be? Growing up, I... I remember watching a TV commercial. This was, I think, for an allergy medication or a cold medication. 
And the reason it sticks out in my mind is because the person who was sick was represented by a giant life-size nose. A giant nose. And that stuck out in my mind. But magically what happened is that when that nose took the medication, it suddenly became a person again. And I began to wonder, what would life be like if you and I, we were the same person? Wouldn't life be boring if we were all the same? No, God, he made us. The Bible says in Psalm 139 that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're fearfully and you're wonderfully made. And God has a place for you, not only in life, but in the kingdom of God. This is what verse 18 says this. God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Have you ever imagined what life would be like if your nose was upside down? What would you do in a rainstorm? How would you blow your nose? Imagine that. Have you ever imagined what your life would be like if your nose was on your ankle? All you'd have to do to smell the roses would be lift your leg. You'd be the first to smell freshly cut grass, but I imagine that if your nose was on your ankle, you'd be smelling things that you'd rather not smell. God has placed every part of our body in a specific location on purpose, with purpose, and for a purpose, and the same is true for you and I. We each have a purpose and a role to fulfill in the body of Christ, and this is what verse 28 talks about. It talks about the different dispensations and the different roles. Do you know that God celebrates diversity? Each of you is unique in your own way. But even in the midst of diversity, he wants there to be unity. He wants us to be connected with one another. You are important. You are important to God. And you are important to the work of God. I've discovered that God's gift to you is your gift to the world. What God has gifted you with is your gift to the world. There are people who can sing wonderfully. I do not. You don't want me to do that. There are people who are very gifted with their hands and they can build amazing things. I cannot. Each one of us has a role to play. So if you can sing, sing joyously. If you can greet, greet enthusiastically. If you can give, give generously. If you can teach, teach clearly. If you can lead, lead courageously. Take the gift that God has given you, use it not only to provide a living for yourself, but also can I challenge you to take that gift and use it to advance the kingdom of God? Here at Westover, we say we serve God by serving other people. It doesn't say we serve God by serving ourselves. We serve God by serving other people. That's God's design for us. Number two, serving means Helping others get connected. Helping others get connected. Look at verse 20 and 25. It says, it says, as it is, there are many parts but one body, so that there should be no division in the body. Common sense tells us that disconnected bodies die. If my finger is not connected to my body, eventually it's going to die. The same is true in the body of Christ. When we as believers are disconnected from one another, we stop thriving. And eventually, 
If enough time goes by, we end up dying spiritually and relationally because we're created to be connected to one another and we're created to be connected to the head who is Jesus Christ. Now, Westover, this is not a suggestion. It's a command. Look at what verse 25 says. It says, there should be no division in the body. Let me make this practical. Husband and wife, God doesn't want us to be divided. Mom and dad, God doesn't want there to be division between you and your children. And for some of you, you're divided from your adult children. Can I encourage you to build a bridge and walk towards them? Can I invite you to, to cross whatever hurt or pain exists to mend and repair? God wants to impact your child and your grandchild as well. We must be willing to say yes. God doesn't want there to be disconnection between families. He doesn't want there to be disconnection in the body of Christ. In fact, what Jesus said is, is he said, they will know you by your love one for another. They will say you're my children if you love one another. That's the distinguishing characteristic of the body of Christ is when we love one another. That's what God intends for us. He intends for us to serve one another and help others get connected. Just a handful of weeks ago, my wife and I, we launched a new initiative called the New Family Connect. And the whole purpose for this initiative is just to connect with new families. And can I say, if you're brand new to Westover, we're so glad that you're here. We want to invite you to come and visit with us at the New Family Connect. We want to hear your story we want to discover what God is doing in your life. We want to share with you a little bit about the heart of Westover and how we can help you get connected. It's our absolute joy. We would love to welcome you, to have you come and discover what we've put together to serve you and your family. Now, some of you may be saying, but pastor, isn't that kind of your job? Well, yes, it is, but it's much more than that. It's much more than that. Recently, I went to lunch with a friend of mine, and he asked me, he said, Pastor Jonathan, what's your favorite part of your job? And instantly, without equivocation, I said to him, the people. The people. The best part about Westover are the people. The best part about Westover is the staff I get to serve along with, the people I get to rub shoulders with and elbows with in ministry on our volunteer teams. Those of you I get to greet each and every week, I get to walk the aisles and say hello. And I get to celebrate with you when you get a new job or when you get a promotion. And I'm there to encourage you when life shows up and it gets difficult. And you allow me to pray with you when tragedy hits. What makes Westover great is you. And it's our great joy and privilege to serve you. Because serving Others satisfies the soul. Serving other people satisfies the soul. That's the secret sauce. That's why we're constantly inviting you to join a ministry team. It's not because we want to put one more thing on your agenda. It's because we've discovered over time that there's a level of fulfillment, there's a level of joy that comes from serving God by serving other people. And we want you to experience the profound joy that God has for you as you serve God by serving other people. We want you to experience that. That's why we're saying, come join us. We want you to experience that. That's what God has for us. There's a verse that says that he who seeks to save his life 
will lose it. This was Jesus speaking. And then he said, if you're willing to lose your life or sacrifice your life, you will surely find it. You will surely save it. In the process of pouring out your life for other people, giving your life up in service to other people, you will discover the life that God has for you. The divine joy that he can entrust to you when you serve God by serving other people. Now, some of you may be asking, but pastor, how do I do that? How do I serve? I'm brand new. I've only been here three weeks. What you can do is you can invite one, one person. Invite one person. That's all you have to do. Invite one person. Invite them to come to church with you. Invite them to sit right next to you. Invite them to a gathering that you attend. Invite them to a birthday party. Invite them to your life group. Invite them to coffee. Invite them to breakfast. Invite them to lunch. Invite one person. There are people around you that are yearning for connection. And when we get them connected to Jesus and to the community of faith, they will begin to thrive in a way that they've never experienced before. There are people who are yearning and hungering for connection, and we get the privilege of being God's hand, heart, and feet extended to the world. But it requires us to go out and help get those who are disconnected and get them connected. And can I also encourage you? Here are the statistics. 82% of unchurched people are likely to attend church if they're invited by a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, or a family member. Eight out of ten times, eight out of ten people will say yes to an invitation, to a personal invitation. So can I challenge you? Invite one person. If you don't know how to serve, just invite one person. It can make a significant difference. Number three, serving means rescuing others. Verse 25 and 26 says this, There should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. God wants us to have equal concern for one another. He wants me to be concerned about you. He wants you to be concerned about me. He wants me to be concerned about all of you. He wants you to be concerned about each other. Those of you who sit right next to one another, he wants us to have equal concern for one another. But often what happens in the process where things go south is when we get the wrong perception and belief about what the church is, what the church does, and why it exists. Many of us believe that the church is about us. The church is not about us. It's not about me. It's not about you. The church is for us, but it's about Jesus. The church is for us, but it's about Jesus. That's why it's called the body of Christ. Not the body of Jonathan or James or Tony or Susie. It's the body of Christ. And what did Jesus come to do? He came to rescue people. He came to seek and save those who are lost. Years ago on a treacherous stretch of coastline, there were many hazards. There were rocks that jutted up out of the water. There were shallow areas and there were hidden obstacles under the water. And many ships were wrecked along that coast. And there happened to be a little town close by. And the people in that town, they grew fed up with the fact that so many shipwrecks were occurring that they went and they established a life-saving station. And it was a humble building. It had only tin walls and a very thin roof. And 
When the wind would come, the, the building would shake. They had one rickety wooden boat, but they were committed to life-saving mission. They were committed to that. They wanted to see people get rescued. And so as the notoriety of this place grew, more members were added to the team. They bought more boats. And over time, the, the group of members decided that they needed to build a new building. So they built a bigger and better building, and they furnished it on the inside. They made it nice and comfortable. And it became a great place for people to gather. And over time, these members decided that no longer did they want to participate in the life-saving mission. And so they hired external crews to go out and save people. And it just so happened that a couple weeks later, there was a significant wreck, shipwreck that occurred. And a giant boat capsized. And there were people who needed saving. So all of the crews went out and they began to bring in boatloads on boatloads, on boatloads of people. The cold, the wet, the half-drowned, the sick, the infirm, those who had broken bones, those who had no place to go. There were people who were in rickety lifeboats. There were people who were holding on to wooden rafts out of pieces of wood just to stay alive. And so the rescue crews brought these people into the clubhouse, and it threw the clubhouse into chaos. And after everyone was taken care of, the members gathered together and they said, wow, that was a whole lot of people. And it threw our clubhouse into chaos. What we need to do is we need to build a building just a couple hundred yards away. And they instructed the life-saving crews to take those who were rescued to that place. In effect, what they were saying is, you can get rescued, but not here. You can get saved, but you're not welcome here. And so the original members, those who had committed their lives to saving people, went to the new membership and they said, this isn't how it should be. Both of these buildings should be used to save people. And the members said, no. If you want to save people, go down the coast about two miles. There's another building. You can save people there. And so the members went and they established a new life-saving station and they had very mean, very meager accommodations. But as time went on, the fame of that place grew as well and more people were added. And this process occurred over and over and over again. And now when you drive along the coast, you can see very, a whole lot of beautiful yacht clubs but very few life-saving stations and shipwrecks still occur, but very few people are saved because there's not enough people to save everyone. Church, I've discovered over time that the church is not a social club for connected people. It's a life-saving station for broken people. It's not a social club just for us to gather together. It's not about us. It's about Jesus and his mission to seek and save those who are lost. This is what verse 26 says. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, everyone rejoices with it. It's easy for us to say we are better together. But what's really hard to say is we're broken together. When you celebrate, we celebrate. When you're broken, we are broken as well. Back in 2004, when I came to San Antonio, I didn't know anyone. 
and I haven't shared this before, but when I first got to San Antonio, I was out to sea in my faith. I had been raised in a Christian home, but I had lost my way. And I didn't know. I knew that God existed, but I had a marginal connection to God, and I felt like I was drifting in my faith. And it just so happened that a friend of mine invited me to church. He was courageous enough to reach out to me and said, Jonathan, will you come? And I said, yes. I was one of the 82%. I'm proof that if you invite someone that they'll say yes. And so I came and I came in from the cold and frankly, I needed rescuing in my own heart. And when I came to Westover, I discovered the place that my heart yearned for. I, I discovered a shelter from the storm because that's what God does. He shelters us from the storms of life. And I'm here to appeal to you to be about the Father's business, to go out and rescue people. God wants us to rescue those who are far away from God. He wants us to discover that again, to not be complacent. He wants us to discover who he is and to discover the fulfillment that comes in serving other people. And so as I close, I want to invite you to stand with me. I want to invite you to stand. I want you to put aside your digital device. I want you to commit this moment unto the Lord. As I was preparing for this moment, what has been stirring in my spirit is this one thought. God wants to disturb our complacency. God wants to disturb our complacency. He doesn't want us to just sit in a comfortable seat, but to go to the highways and byways, to go out to sea, to rescue people, to bring them into the kingdom of God. There are people that only you can rescue because you're connected to them. And so can I challenge you today that you'll step in and that you will serve God by serving other people? For some of you, your very next step is just to invite one person. Just to invite one person. Could it be that the person you're going to invite will become the next Billy Graham, the next great evangelist that this generation requires? Could it be that the person you invite will be a mayor of San Antonio or a governor of the state of Texas? Could it be possible that the person that you invite will become a teacher that will then teach your child in their school? You never know what God has in store. And all he requires us to do is to say yes to his plan and to say, yes, I'll go out and invite one person. And for others of you, what God is stirring in your own heart today is inviting you to step into a ministry team, to step into a kid environment and to pour out your life and encourage a child who comes. Maybe they're part of a single parent home and they're shuttled back and forth and they just need a stable adult to say, I believe in you. I believe God can do great things in your life. Maybe it's to sing on the platform and to lift up the name of Jesus. Whatever it is, I invite you to step into God's purpose. You'll discover as you do that, the dream of God will come alive in your spirit. And I want that to stir in your spirit that the dream of God would come alive in your heart and that you'll discover that as you serve other people. God desires that for you and I. 
And so as I pray, I want you in your own heart to say yes to the voice of the Holy Spirit. He's been speaking to some of you about somebody that you need to invite, somebody in your sphere of influence, somebody that you need to invite, or maybe a team that you need to join. Maybe you need to be a life group leader. Maybe you need to open your home as a life group leader host. Host a life group at your home. Whatever it is, say yes to the Lord. Let's go to the Lord Church and say yes to him. God, right now, we're here. You've challenged us, and we're willing to say yes and amen to the thing that you've put before us. There's a divine dream that you've put before us, and you're challenging us to say yes to you. You're challenging us to serve God by serving other people. God, I pray, Lord, that you would stir within the hearts and minds of each person here and those who are watching online for them to say yes to you, that you, God, would have permission in our life to disturb our comfort and shake us out of our complacency and that we would return to the life-giving and life-saving mission that you came, you lived, and you died for. For the people that you died for, God, I pray that you would quicken within our hearts a yearning to say yes to you, to serve other people. And God, as people step into that divine purpose, that God, you would bring about a fulfillment in their mind and in their heart, knowing that they are serving you by serving others. God, may they say yes and amen to you today. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen. It's been an absolute delight to have you here at Westover. God bless you, and we are dismissed.